well. We have launched and the launch has been a success. I want to shout out all our listeners across the globe. We have listeners in North Africa. We have listeners in Burundi, Mauritania, Algeria, Cote d'Ivoire, Germany, USA, Canada, Antigua, Jamaica, and of course, Trinidad and Tobago. Today we are talking about beauty and skincare. Our guest host today, Ms. Sarah Aling. Hello. And we have an audience member today. Audience member. It's a very special audience member. My big sis, Mrs. Kiran Valley Gordon. Hello. Our entrepreneur of the day is more than an influencer. She's a skin influencer, a cosmetic chemist, inventor of three U.S. patents, part-time lecturer in fashion management, CEO and creative director of Immortal Beauty, and she even speaks a little bit of Chinese. Podcast will please welcome Catherine Nuss to the Cabin Studios. Hello. How are you doing today, Catherine? I'm good. I'm trying to figure out who told you all those lies. <laughs> <laughs> the internet is a dishonest place. <laughs> Must stop lying on resume. Must stop lying on LinkedIn. So you don't speak Chinese? Um, I took a Chinese class, and so it's very, very basic. And it was a few years ago, and I haven't been able to continue, even though I would like to. Um, so it's basic. It's basic. I don't remember anything. Okay. <laughs> All right. What I notice that when people have multiple multiple degrees, their BSc is usually something they feel they should do, but the further degrees are something they're actually passionate about. So you did a BSc in biology, and then you did an MBA. Kind of walk us through that. So why did you do the um, the degree in biology, and how did you get from there to doing an MBA? It's so funny. You called me a biologist because me and my boyfriend actually had that debate the other night. He's like, you're a biologist. I'm like, no, I have a degree in biology. I practice no biology, so I am not a biologist. I'm a chemist. He was like, no, that's your profession, but you're a biologist because that's what you have your degree in. He also has a biology degree. <laughs> So I said, are you a biologist then? He was like, no, I have further degrees. I'm an orthodontist. I said, okay, all right. I don't have further degrees. <laughs> so cool. Um, so what happened basically was I studied biology. Actually, Zara and I went to the same high school. I went for a year um, and I did AP biology there. I did really well in AP biology. So I was like, okay, that's awesome. Sounds pretty decent. I'll go and I'll major that in that too, because I was planning to be a doctor. That was the original plan. So that was your plan. Mm-hmm. That was not mommy and daddy's plan. No, that was that was. I think I was into it. Yeah, as much as you could be at seventeen. I was like, yeah, why not? Do. I think I was sounds good. Corporate lawyer or something. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> um, and then about two years into that, into studying biology, I never had a problem with it, but I was just like. So I was working in the lab with like Drosophila flies and zebra fish. And I was like, this is not cute. This is just not cute <laughs> enough. And so I decided that I wanted to do something that was a bit keto. And it sounds a bit frivolous, like, you know, talking about it this way. But that's really what it was. I was like, if I'm going to be um, inspired to wake up every single day about something, it's going to have to be something remotely glamorous. But I didn't want to start everything over. I had two years already of biology. And I'm very good at science. I'm a good scientist. And so I was like, well, how can I bring, and I enjoy it. I like science. How can I bring science together with something that's glamorous? And so that is how the cosmetic chemistry came into being. So I never did a, any biology work ever a day in my life. As soon as I left school, I went straight into a cosmetic chemistry lab and I became a formulation chemist. So I've been, a, I'm a chemist, even though okay. I have a biology degree. Okay. So from that the area of cosmetics that I was always super interested in were the high-end areas. So I worked in a research and development lab and basically clients would come in and say they wanted X or Y formula, X or Y product, and they would give you a budget. And so sometimes they would be like $3 a pound for a shampoo and you'd be like, okay, you put four things into the beaker and you're like, hey, here's a shampoo. And then sometimes they'd be like $40 a pound, which is like a huge budget for, for a cosmetic product. And then you would have to figure out how to make this product that's on the other end of the spectrum. And that always was so much more exciting to me. And then I heard that a product that has a $40 a pound ingredient budget can then go on to sell five for $515 for two ounces. So like 
quarter dollars a pound is what like quarter dollars for 16 ounces so that's like how much ever and then you know you multiply that by a hundred and you get to the final product and I was like I need to understand this this is the yeah. area of the business that I need to know because I need to know what takes it from quarter dollars a pound to five hundred dollars for 1.6 ounces 1.7 ounces and so that's why I went on to study my master's is in my master's M- MA MBA is in luxury brand management so that's why I went on to study that. And that is my passion. That is the area I'm more interested in. So you are correct about your second degree being more of your interest than your first. Okay. At this job as a cosmetic chemist mm-hmm. in your research lab, that's when you got those patents. Yes. So my name is on those patents as one of the inventors. Your family must be so proud. No, they have no idea what those patents are about. It's not, it's not something that they've heard. Um, and I honestly... They were not for the most exciting of formulas. So I think there was something about like a toothpaste gel or something. So formulas get exciting. Oh, yes, totally. Like the ones that actually like have like e- efficacy and you see lots of results. But for, for cosmetic patterns, you have to have very, very new technology to pattern something. And um, mm-hmm. so it's very rare, but it's, it's rarely something that's, pr- that's very sexy. <laughs> that's- okay. Okay, okay. So let's talk about Immortal Beauty. What is the mission of the company? What what's the what got you behind that movement? So Immortal Beauty, it started out when I first started, and maybe up until just last year, I wanted it to be cosmetics for Caribbean women. So cosmetics specifically designed for our culture and our environment and climate and the things that we do um, that are singular and unique to our culture, but. Over the past year, I've kind of refined that to, um, I want it to be more of the Caribbean lifestyle, the aspirational Caribbean lifestyle in a bottle. So that when aspirational. You, yes, because you know, everything has to tie back to luxury at the end of the day, because that oh, is still okay. my area. Okay. So, um, when people ask me, you know, who is, who is the immortal beauty? To me, it's a person who, <laughs> somebody asked me, um, told me the other day, I should show, people using immortal beauty in different circumstances, you know, on vacation, when they do this, when they're at work, I'm like, no, the immortal beauty does not work. <laughs> that is wow. not part of her lifestyle. <laughs> Obviously, she does something. <laughs> Obviously, okay. she has to make money somehow. Oh. But her lifestyle is aspirational and she is not in a cubicle. She is not like, no, she's on a beach, perhaps, you know, working remotely. Mm-hmm. while she travels and enjoys life. But she's not in a cubicle pumping lotion, right? So she starts to type. That's not what I, she does. I put on a lotion before I type in my, in my cubicle. I'm not judging my lifestyle. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being judgy. Just, that's not, not what she friend. does. <laughs> that's not what she does. Um, so she like, she she develops her, she, she's not dictated to, she develops her own schedule and routine and decides how she wants to do things. And if she wants to wake up and do her report from a wonderful beach villa, that's what she's doing, right? So again, aspirational. Oh. This is not anybody's life. Um, okay. But that, you know, it's something to look up to. And the idea is that, you know, you tap into this lifestyle by using the product. But also the other element of the, the mission and the vision is for people to feel empowered through the use of the products as well. And for women to, to tap into their inner confidence yeah. through the use of the products particularly starting out in the areas of skincare and body care and like focusing on glow and skin and having that, you know, hashtag skin by immortal beauty, as opposed to what we, what women in the Caribbean usually gravitate towards, which is makeup, which is not so much solving problems as covering them up. And don't get me wrong. I absolutely love makeup. I'm obsessed with makeup, but I am interested in makeup as an enhancer of what you already have, as opposed to a, covering of what you already have on behalf of the men i'm just gonna say amen to that <laughs> y'all don't know y'all don't know the difference <laughs> so one of my friends always says you know men are men are always out here talking about how they do like makeup and they don't want a woman who wearing too much makeup but you all wouldn't know the difference between a natural beat and a no makeup face so let me tell you the fact that men don't know that a natural beat exists exists just means that they just wear your hair makeup difference. you all feel like it's like a pack on kicked up thing, but no, like y'all began fool. Some, some, some. I, now I understand the difference between a, a natural beat. I think I understand the difference between a natural beat that you know takes maybe 10 15 minutes to get ready than the, than the one hour, <laughs> than the one hour and 30 minute right transformation. Full on, yes, you know. okay. 
So your brother came up with the name for your company? Yes, my brother did. I'm a terrible namer. That same friend who's talking about the makeup and the Mendo know she actually helps me do a lot of my naming as well because I'm a terrible namer of things. So I come up with concepts and I'm like, this is the concept. Please find me a name. So he came up with the name Immortal Beauty. Just, you know, just from looking at different, you know, Caribbean type of trees and, and plants and that type of thing. And then when I went to do further research about it, I, you know, found that the Immortal is like a super tall tree and it's planted on cocoa plantations to shield and cover the cocoa plants um, from the elements and from the sun. Okay. And I just thought it was such a, a wonderful nurturing image and it really um, conjured up to me what the Caribbean woman really is because we are protectors and we are nurturers. And I was like, okay, that's perfect. And it's worked so far. It also has the, you know, the French meaning, which means immortal. And so the idea of any cosmetic or any beauty products at all is for eternal life and to never get old. And so that works as well. So it works on multiple levels. You say Caribbean woman. Do you have a lot of international customers as, as well? Because I see you have your online store and everything. Right now it's mostly diaspora. So it's Caribbean women in international countries that order most. The website is a work in progress. And, you know, I'm finally starting to get like a good few orders on them. Right. On it, I should say. But it's been effort to get to this point. But still not really, you know, American women or British women buying into the product yet. So products you have available. The other, the other nights when I was prepared for this interview, that's a, that's a message, Kieran. So Kieran, what do these mortal products do? What, what, what is happening here? All right, so she directed me to this video where you launched. So this video where women are getting their feet scrubbed, mm-hmm. and, you know, their feet are in a tub, and they soak a scrub and a cream, mm-hmm. right? And immediately I looked at my feet and said, Kevin, your feet not doing the job right now. <laughs> you might need a, a foot sugar scrub. <laughs> so you started like, what was the idea behind that, like behind this, the foot products and your other products? So the foot product specifically was, again, so I wanted products that kind of focus on our lifestyle and Caribbean women do the most. Like we are always <laughs> up and down, running around on our feet, um, taking care of other people and we do not take enough time to take care of ourselves. So the idea was an at-home pampering product to rest your weary feet and to like re-energize yourself. Okay. And so there are three products in the foot line. There's a soap, a foot soak, a foot scrub, and a foot cream. And it's called foot rehab because it's after the idea of like a 12-step program, but it's just three steps. <laughs> so you have your, your first step, which is the foot soak, which is your detox step. Then your second step, which is the scrub, which is your friction step. And then your third step, which is the healing step, which is your foot cream. Obviously, they can be used separately, but that's where the foot product idea came from. And then we went into the body products, and that's the Essentials line. And the Essentials line, we have now 30 separate product items in the Essentials line because we have body lotion, shower gel, spray oil, body butter, and body scrub. And we have those five products in six different fragrances each. So that's 30 products. So the line has just kind of like expanded. Um, that's a lot of products. Gradually over the years. So I just wanted to take it back a little bit because a lot of the listeners to the podcast are people who are trying to understand sort of the, what they consider to be like the magic behind business, like how people decide to get started. So when you were doing your MBA, was your thought always, I know I want to have my own brand, I want to have my own line, or was that something that came afterwards? How did you get to that? How did you get to the Immortal View? When I did the MBA, I had the line already. Okay. So I... I worked in the lab that I mentioned to you all for four years. And then I came back home to start the line because the business model of how selling formulations works, I didn't like it because you would basically sell a formulation and you'd sell it to a client who would go on and then, and then make money off of it. And you had no stake in that product, even though you had developed it, developed the chemistry behind it. Obviously the client came up with the concept. So, I wanted to be able to develop and own my own concepts and then also make the profits off of the products in the end as well. So that's why I decided to start my line. Um, I came home to do it because I felt that there was a gap. Um, and even now, I still see myself as the only person operating within that local, local sophisticated product line. Yes, we have a lot of great natural local product lines. But when it comes to like, you know, the full package with the image and the branding and that type of stuff, I still kind of see myself as the only person operating within that area. So I kind of hit a wall 
<laughs> and I decided that's when I decided to go and do the MBA and I was like in like a really low place I actually wanted to stop doing the business I didn't think it was working for me and I wanted to start over and do something else and basically so I got the degree and then every single thing I tried did not work out after I got it so I ended up having to come back home because I did a degree the MBA was in Paris in uh, Florence, I went three months in Paris, three months in Florence, and three months in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Not Ooh. in that order. That's the opposite order. And then I went to New York after that for about five months, and then nothing was happening. And so I decided to come back home, and I did not have a choice because I'm not very employable in Trinidad. Like, this is, this is an issue I have where I do not have a choice but to do this business. I have no choice but to make this business work because literally there's no way I can work with my qualifications. So... When I kind of got into that kind of desperate space, like I have to make this work, that's when everything started to become a lot easier and everything just kind of started to flow. And that was four years ago. And here I am now. And it's going really well. <laughs> so that's the journey. Okay. Trajectory. Beauty and skincare, it's a fairly crowded space, right? So how do you how do you stand out and create a luxury brand and have Kieran coming across here just to just to meet you and buy product from you. So it's definitely the packaging and the branding, which is one of my single, like it's a single-minded focus that I have because um, after studying luxury, you realize how important brand is. Even sometimes a little more so than the products, more so than the individual items that you are selling. Your brand is your most valuable product. So I'm very focused on developing Immortal as a brand and having a specific look and have people feel that they're getting a lot of luxury for an affordable price. And because so then the second step is having unique formulations. Because I worked in the industry in the States, I have a lot of contacts with ingredient suppliers so that I can organize my formulas to be inexpensive, but to have some one special thing in there to make the texture great or to make the fragrance fantastic and still make the product affordable, which is a huge thing for me. So once people approach it from seeing it look different and look sophisticated when they try it that's the next step where they're like this is what people say oh it's actually really nice and i'm like hmm, wow who'd have thought thanks <laughs> with your backhanded compliments <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so what's up with that though like what well, no this is actually so, really nice like why do people expect subpar products from from local producers or regional producers? I have absolutely no idea, but it is definitely an expectation and an underlying, not even an expectation, an underlying assumption. One of my biggest issues that I have is that people tend to, I do a lot of pop-up markets and I do a lot of um, events and shows and people will pass me straight, totally pass me straight because they think that it's not a local product. But that's just some important thing that you bring down. Let me go to this other table. Here's a, an amber bottle with a shady label. I'm going to put just this instead. I have to tell people, no, it's made here because people are always surprised to see that it's made locally because their assumption is that if something is local, this, it has to look a certain way. So I'm hoping to help change that in the video we have up on Bank In my elevator pitch now, I say that one of the goals of Immortel is also to show that local and sophisticated are not mutually exclusive concepts. So things can be found together. They do go together. And we need to start as a culture expecting that and expecting more from our local brands. The other thing is the website too. There's an assumption that you don't have one. So people ask you questions. They come up to you and they're like, where can I see all of your products listed with prices? Do you have like a brochure? (laughs) And I'm like, no, I don't have a brochure, but I have this website. It's www.immortalbeauty.com. And you can see everything there. Um, because people just do not expect it. So if I want to find an American product, immediately I will just type in thatproduct.com. In Trinidad, they go to your Facebook first. What I started to happen recently, which I find extremely strange, is that people message me on Facebook personally. So if you're not on my Facebook list, as my personal Facebook, if you're not on my Facebook list, I will probably never see that message. So then it ends up that I you know it's bad customer service because I never respond. But I'm like, but why, if you're trying to find out information from a brand or about a brand, why would you message that person in their personal Facebook? Why wouldn't you go to see the official channels or if any official channels list um, exist? But yeah, so people just don't expect it and they don't demand it or require it. And... I'm trying to change that as well, at least in my little 
beauty space? Question from the audience. <laughs> there are these two questions for me. So in terms of when you're at the pop-up markets and those types of things, and I can't remember because I've been, I can't remember if your branding says made in Trinidad or that's something you purposely decided to exclude if it doesn't say that. Just to try and mitigate some of those assumptions that people may have in, in terms of passing the street. Now that's the second question. So for um, the pop-up markets, I have to have a large-scale branding that says that. So I have one banner that says it, Immortal Beauty Made in Trinidad and Tobago, because it says it on every label, but you have to have already right. approached and picked up the bottle in order to see that. Um, it says it on all the little brochures or whatever, but you already have to approach to see those things. So I have a banner that says it really big, but sometimes I forget. I need to remember to put it on everything that I print that's large-scale. It needs to say Made in Trinidad and Tobago, and sometimes I forget. And then the other question I had was in terms of so people messaging you in your personal capacity. Is it that you and the brand, or in terms of when you were initially starting out or marketing the brand, you were very much part of the brand story? And that's why there's that expectation that I can message Catherine on her personal Facebook page? Or were you always kind of trying to accept it and have the brand stand on its own? That's a really good question. So funnily enough, because I said that has just started to happen, people trying to message me personally about it it's because all of the time i tried to have it separate i try i wanted the brand to sound on its own some craziness <laughs> and um, i didn't want to Im- insert my personality into it and over the last few months three months like the last quarter of 2017 through going through the scotia program but through also speaking to friends and and really trying to listen and get their opinions i realized that that was dumb and that I should be trying to put my personality and more so my face and my my image more into the brand than I have been. And I just started doing a couple of things differently in order to do that. And the difference was night and day. Like, it was ridiculously different. The response was so much better. People see me now and they make comments like, oh my gosh, your skin looks so great. That's that body butter you're using. That's that scrub or whatever. And so they're connecting me to the product, which never used to happen before. And so I think that's also why people are now trying to message me directly. But Facebook's just not the best place for that. Like they could do it on Instagram because I would see it so much easier. It's just that Facebook, it's just how it's set up. It's just really hard to see those messages if that person is not my friend already. I think it makes sense because people buy from, especially in a niche market, people buy from people as opposed to from a brand. So it makes sense that that would help and change the um, sale of the business. Yeah, it's it's just completely a new course and I'm really enjoying it actually. (laughs) So you said that your secret sauce, what you're really obsessed about is your packaging and your branding. Mm -hmm. So can you just walk us through your process from where you conceptualize an idea, conceptualize a product to the formulation process to where it's on the shelves for us to purchase, for the ladies to purchase and me for my future. (laughs) Um, Yeah, men can purchase the products too. There are some fragrances that are not super feminine. So, you know. Not super feminine, just a little bit feminine. One is just a little bit feminine, one is not really feminine at all. I can do a little bit feminine. (laughs) And one of the major complaints I get from people is that their husband's still in the all the time. All yep. the time. Yeah. So um so conceptualizing. So I look at products all day long. <laughs> and I also purchase a lot of a lot of busy products. And people probably think it's like an illness. But thankfully I have this line to pour all of that research back into because it would just be a money, a money hole, a money pit otherwise. So I'm always trying to see what's new, what's next, what other brands are doing, what the trends are when it comes to beauty and trying new things, trying new textures. I go to trade shows. I go to just, I try to see as much as what's happening in the beauty world because in Trinidad, it's very easy. You have to really push yourself because it's very easy to just kind of just get caught up in what's happening here. Um, And I'm always trying to figure out what's happening outside of here as well when it comes to beauty. So generally, I come up with my concepts most of the time in the shower. Having just just thinking about products. That's what I call it. My idea. And then, as I was telling Kiran earlier, packaging wise, the actual packaging hardware has to be very very basic because I am not in a position to purchase for the business yet. Custom packaging because your minimums have to be so big. 
and I guess they're small compared for, for other people. They're small, but for me, they're huge because my market is so tiny. So I have to use very basic packaging, basic plastic bottle, basic black top. Then I go to my designer and her job is to take this basic packaging to take this product concept that I'm giving her and try to make it very unique and chic and classy, but also Caribbean at the same time. So she has to make a label because that's the only part of the process that I really can control. So she has to design labels that go around these packages. And so for the essentials line, we've done clear labels, which allows you to see the texture or the color of the product behind it. And because it's a clear jar and a clear label, that helps with the sophistication of the look. So it's like little, little elements like that. Then the formulation, I have had the formulation works out since then. The formulation part is easy for me because as I say, I always tell people cosmetics is like cooking. There's a way to stew chicken. <laughs> There's a way to do it. This is how you stew chicken. Then in order to make it your recipe for stew chicken and you just make little adjustments and then maybe you want the highest quality chicken or you want to use special chicken or whatever. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there's a way to make a cream, there's a way to make a lotion, there's a way to make a sunscreen, but then you tweak things in order to make your formulation unique. And then you add the little extras that are going to give it the benefits that it has. And then it's literally just like cooking, you heat things up, you cool things down, and then you have a formula. That part comes relatively easy to me. Formulating in Trinidad does not come easily to me just because of the logistics of getting the ingredients into the country. And then when you have an issue, you then have to sit down and wait two weeks for another ingredient to come in to fix the issue. And that's one of my biggest challenges when it comes to formulating in Trinidad. So I have the formula, then I have the packaging, and then I take the formula to my contract manufacturer, which is one of the secret strengths of my business. I have a local contract manufacturer who takes my formula. When I do formulas in the lab, I do 500 grams, a kilo, three kilos at most. They then can take my formula and do 300 pounds of it, 500 pounds of it. And they package it, fill it, box it for me, and then I sell it, market it and sell it. And so that's the whole process from start to end. Nice. And then people use it. (laughs) And then they come back. And come back for more. (laughs) Hopefully. So you've pretty much automated it into like a system, in a way. That makes it sound very organized. <laughs> it's not that organized. Okay, so you're, um, you're individually adding your... I don't need the ingredients. The sugar and the cream. <laughs> I don't know the ingredients. But um, so there's no real part of the process that's automated. I have to drive every single element of the process. So I literally have to make the formulation. And then when it goes to the, the factory, um, I don't just hand them the formula. I literally stand up there. Ooh. If I made the formula much more often they would get to the point where they could do it on their own. But because I only go there maybe every six months, which is like a huge thing to me. Like, I'm like, I'm in the factory every six months. Um, but they make things, they make batches every day to sell to Pennywise of their own products, that type of thing. Okay. So six months is, it's nowhere near as often as they do their own work. So if I went more often, they'd be able to do it by themselves. But because I six months passes, I have to go and stand with them while they add all the ingredients to make sure that things look right, that things are happening the right way. Every step of the process, I am there. There's very little of it that I can leave up to, like that, that's really automated or that I can leave up to other people at this point in time. Okay. I have my hands on everything. Okay, that's fair. Other than people kind of expecting lower quality from you being a local brand and kind of overcoming that little hurdle, what other challenges would you say you've, you've kind of come across acquiring all these distributors because you're in all these malls and all these stores all over Trinidad and your online and stuff. So what kind of challenges did you go through reaching that level of scale of distribution? So I hate selling. (laughs) So (laughs) selling for me is a continual challenge. It's just hard for me in general. Working with distributors is a new thing too that is a challenge in general because they have all the power and you're just the person who's, to them, trying to catch a break. Um, so when you talk to your other customers who love your products, they're like, why aren't you in this place and that place and that? But the power structure between the retailer and the small manufacturer is just so skewed. I can show them all the benefits of the product. They, they actually don't care. <laughs> they really don't care. It's don't. just like literally, what can you do for them? They really don't care. So that's a huge challenge, just trying to get your, get your foot in the door and try to get yourself on the shelf particularly in a country like Trinidad, if you don't know somebody, if you don't already have that link, how do you 
do that. Marketing in general is a challenge for me as well because I don't have a huge marketing budget. Pretty much all, everything goes into product development and manufacturing of the products. All the money I have goes into that. And so how do I get the word out there without, you know, huge advertising campaigns, without access to, you know, billboards or whatever another international brand with a distributor here might be able to do? Just the product development in Trinidad is a, is a tough thing. So last year, I released the body butter and the body scrub, which are two formulas I actually developed in my old lab. I went back to my old lab in New Jersey that I had worked at for four years and I rented space. I rented a little corner where okay. I actually started out the corner of the lab that I started making formulas in. And I stayed there for a month just pumping out formulas as many as I could because it was a situ- it's a situation where if something happens, if I have a problem, then I have a whole back storeroom of ingredients that I can just go in that day in 10 minutes and pick up something to try and do a new formulation instead of having to sit down for literally two weeks trying to wait for new ingredients to come in. In general, running a small business is tough. It's hard to get yourself paid. So with me, I have like a big time management problem because in general, I've, I felt like I need to do part-time work in order to supplement my income. And then I have like time management issues where I start to get resentful because I'm like, why am I giving you all my time when I have a business that is flourishing? Why am I even like giving you any time? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have a variety of different challenges because I'm involved in every single part of this business. And um, yeah, they don't stop. (laughs) You just keep coming. (laughs) New challenges with every new stage. Literally. I actually had a question for you about, so I've been thinking a lot, you know, the new year and a lot of people are talking about their various rituals and how they manage their time as you had just mentioned or how they focus on being productive how they reach their goals do you have any tips tricks rituals that you use to kind of organize all of the various things that you have to do and get through your days i'm obsessed with notebooks and planners i have multiple on me at any one time right now on sunday i have two <laughs> no no only one only one i have only one today <laughs> But it's all to-do lists. I've started like bullet journaling. Mm-hmm. So I have everything down multiple areas because I need to write something down for it in order to get to my head, to sink into my head. And then I need to cross it off to feel like the accomplishment. Yeah, the satisfaction. <laughs> exactly. Like so when people see me with my notebooks, they're like, oh, you know, you there, there are phone apps that you can do this on. And I'm like, It's not as satisfying. No. Bullet journaling is actually, I find it to be really, like a good ritual it helps you to feel like okay i've set goals exactly i've reached goals i have next steps and okay, then i have good. and then i have this whole record of it that i can look back on too it makes you feel that, accomplished exactly and like. so i'm i'm a right downer so the whole way i organize myself has to do with putting things on paper i know it doesn't work for everybody but it's wonders for me what plan are you using right now right now i'm using the day designer <laughs> This is a planner that I've had for two years that I haven't started to use until this year. It's called Today and To Do. And it's like to-do lists and schedules for each day. And you get, but you get to put down the dates. So you don't feel like you're wasting any pages. Like sometimes, you know, with a planner, you feel like, okay, I didn't do any of April. And so I have wasted one twelfth of the planner. But with this, because you, you can control the days, I feel like it's less wastage. Yeah. So... That's that one. And my bullet journal is at home. <laughs> Obsessed. Very nice. <laughs> All right. So when I was researching your business, I referred to this YouTube video. I looked at from your product launch. It's 2011, you know, and you're so cute. You know, you're, you're Dave, your daddy with um, yes. yeah, T-shirt and Christopher. <laughs> you know, everybody's on the mic and you're giving me all the support. So your your dad, Mr. Mm-hmm. Osborne, is easy mm-hmm. CFO. Your mm-hmm. brother, he came up with the, with the name yeah, for your company, Brand of Company. That's all he did. <laughs> that's all he does. Okay. So I want to get into the, what kind of help and support do you have, you know, as a as somebody growing your business locally and regionally, internationally as well? What kind of support do you have? Because you spoke about your product development process where you have to be involved actively in each stage, right? So what kind of support do you have? Do you have any staff or so? Or do you just have friends who give you moral support? I have friends who give me moral support. I'm the only staff member. Sometimes I'll get interns because before this year, I was doing a lot of by-hand manufacturing, which really makes me want to kill myself. I hate it. I like 
being in the lab to do new things. I hate being in the lab to do the same thing over and over and over because I can only make 12 eight ounce products at the same time. So literally I have to be doing it over and over and over to get any sort of quantity. And I hate that process. So I would hire interns to help me do that if I was manufacturing by hand. But I'm getting much better at managing my inventory now. So I've had to do even that less and less. So it's really just me. My dad is a huge support. But this Christmas, which is my biggest time, he went, decided he wants to go to South Africa for four weeks. (laughs) So so it was like a glimpse of having to do it all by myself. (laughs) I was just not pleasant. (laughs) Not a nice person. Um, because he mostly helps me with that time management aspect with the, with the errands, with the, you know, accounting, with entering things into QuickBooks, that type of thing. The small things that just make everything so easy going to the bank so that can ease up your day so that I could focus on the bigger things. Going to the bank is a stressful thing, isn't it? Yes. And I literally had to ask myself the question again with the time management working for other people. I clearly need an assistant. I need somebody to go to the bank for me and to do all these things. So, and deliveries, oh my gosh, so that my father won't have to do it. But yet here I am doing that for somebody else. Something is not right. Like that's one of my things for the new year. I've had to really sit down and think of, this makes no sense. And how can I change this around? I, I may not be able to pay somebody else yet, but maybe I can free up my time so that I can have more time available for me. And then, yes, I have a very, very supportive group of friends who sell to other people. As I said, my boyfriend is an orthodontist and he's in his in his chair telling people, you don't want a foot cream? Like, you don't want like... <laughs> that is support right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, never <laughs> um, So... I love that. Um, that is good, man. <laughs> so, I do have a lot of support. It's funny, I was just taking an order over the phone this weekend and... The person lives three block, three houses away from my dad's house in Diamond Vale. And I said, okay, so daddy will just bring it for me. She said, no, he must not do that. I will walk down there and I will come. I'm like, no, like he's part of the business. This is, this is what he's supposed to be doing to help me out. And she's like, no, he, I absolutely will not have it. I will come. He mustn't do it. I'm like, but yes, but he must. <laughs> <laughs> he must. <laughs> and so she was like, no, because I, I was like, no, he really is part of the business. He like, he can, he always is talking about, you know, his boss is so demanding. <laughs> he has to do this and that for the boss today. So, um, yeah, he has no problem doing any of those things to help me. So he's a huge, huge, huge support. Okay. So what's next, Catherine? What's next for Imota? So, right now, we have the Scotiabank thing. That's what I'm focused on. I'm trying to win this competition. Um, even though there's not much I can do to try to win other than getting the votes now on Facebook, which is stressful. It's really hard to get, um, like, you know, you, you reach the end of your, you feel like you've reached the end of your influence and then you get to a point you're like, Wait, what do I do now? Like, how do I get these people that have absolutely no, no idea who I am? But next for the business on a larger scale, I say this every year, but every year I have trouble with it because it's something to me that is like so nebulous and so huge, but I really want to start exporting. But, you know, it's because the packaging is, we worked so hard to get the packaging to a certain level and to get the brand and the brand image to a certain level. I need to know where it is going. I need to know that those stores and those locations that we would technically be exporting to or potentially be exporting to are on the same level. And it's funny because Trinidad is one of the most sophisticated Caribbean countries. So I literally have to go to the other islands to see what are their locations and their outlets for beauty to make sure that they match up to what I'm trying to do. And that obviously is an investment that I haven't been able to make yet. So every year I say that's what I want to be doing. So that's my goal again for 2018, figuring out exports. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you just spoke about what's, what's next for you, right? So uh, let's assume, right? So Kieran and I, we're, we're investment bankers, right? So let's assume we under Aspire, we, we raise funding for you. So you give you $10 million right now. Mm-hmm. We're in January right now. If we give you $10 million in January, what would you do with that $10 million to take the company next level by, say, December? So, first and foremost, exactly what I said would be investing in market research for exports, but always product development is where I want to sink the most money. <laughs> and so <laughs> I would be, I want to get into skincare 
And when we talk about skincare, it's products for face. Everything I have is for the neck down, so it's all products for body. That's so right, you don't have anything for the face. No, so when we say skincare, we mean products for face. I want right. to get into skincare, and the reason that I, I haven't gotten into skincare yet is because I'm limited in the amount of testing that I can do, because testing costs a lot of money. And so if I had, like, a big injection of finances into the business, skin skincare would definitely be the next route. And then, as I said earlier, because I'm, I'm so aware that makeup is such a big thing for our market, it would be definitely skincare products to support your makeup regimen and routine. And then definitely stronger marketing, push much more, push for digital and driving traffic to my website, which is one of the areas that I want to develop in 2018 as well. I wanted to go back to the, the Scotiabank um, sure. Cheaper. Could you just tell us, for those who are not really familiar with the program, exactly what it is? The Scotiabank Vision Achiever Business Training is a program launched by the Scotiabank marketing team to develop local small businesses through offering us free business coaching for a specific period of time and through giving us a chance to win a cash prize to be invested back into our businesses. But what they kind of don't tell you to is that it's a huge platform for visibility for your business as well because they are constantly creating content, doing videos, putting you up on the Scotiabank page, which has... 40,000 um, fans and likes. Followers, yeah. And then there's the voting aspect of it in which they create videos, individual videos about your your business. Put it up on the Scotiabank page also, but they sponsor and boost them as well in order for you to get more visibility and that contributes to your points to win the program all over, overall. So basically, it's completely free for the participants. We have not been, not even been asked to, you know, open an account at Scotia or, you know, apply for a Scotia Bank loan. They have asked us for nothing other than to come to the sessions, you know, fulfill their requirements, do our homework and appear when we're supposed to appear. So that's going to finish on the 20th and then they'll announce who the winner is. And yeah, I'm not too sure exactly what happens after that, actually. What did you learn, take away from that experience? It's mostly personal things um, and it's a lot of mindset changes. So we did a lot of things about, you know, cash management and systems that you could implement in your business. But I think for everybody, it's the personal changes within the entrepreneurs themselves. For me, I have uh, had a lot of mindset changes. I had to look at myself and, and figure out um, the ways that I was, I was thinking. I felt like were allowing me not to work that hard not to push that hard. It was very like from a kind of spoiled child complacent mindset. <laughs> so I'll give you a really good example. Even when I was talking about working for other people, instead of trying to like pimp out the business in order to be able to make the money to support the lifestyle that I want to live, I was just like, okay, this is what it makes. So let me go and make money elsewhere in order to be able to do the things that I want to do. And I'm kind of over that. Now, after going through the program, I realized that no, the attitude should be this business is going to be able to support me and support everything that I want That's to do. Right. And I need to figure out how to get to that point. So I need to put aside all this other crap that is not serving me mentally, but all it is doing is providing me a paycheck at the end of the month and try to figure out how to pour all of my energy. And I see it every December because December is the only time when I will not work for other people. But obviously it's Christmas time, so it's, it's a specific level of increasing the business. But I also see the difference in the results when I pour my entire self into the business for an X amount of period of time. And so now I'm like, if I could do that every month of the year, imagine what the year could look like. So that's another goal for 2018. All right. So there are people in podcast world right now, the listeners out there, who want to create their own luxury brand. They just don't know how. They don't know what to do. Guide them, please. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, it's going to sound terrible after we talked all of this stuff about luxury, but one of the major lessons that I have had to learn is there's very little market for luxury in local and regional markets. We are very cost-focused and value-focused, and the value when it comes to luxury products is extremely intangible because, you know, it's all these feelings and these emotions, and we're not about no emotions. We're about... <laughs> What can this product give me for the money that I spend for it? So if you're trying to start a luxury brand or a brand that has a luxury element, it's about really understanding what gives luxury items their, their specialness and trying to 
infuse elements of that type of specialness in your product, knowing that you can never really charge that price tag for it. It's about making items special and to give that air and that element of luxury and that tie to the emotion still without offending people with price. That's interesting though, because people who buy these ostentatious brands, right? A lot of people are drawn to the high price. It's like, oh, this is a high price. That means Becky and Sue won't, won't have the same product. Isn't that you could create a product with a high price and actually draw customers to you? Or do you think that you need to prove value for it? So I feel like there are people who will purchase. But when I say that there's no market, it's like Louis Vuitton couldn't even survive in Barbados. The Louis Vuitton store in Barbados closed down. And they have, not only do they have tourist market, they have people doing in Barbados who are very like showy and want to buy things to show off to other Bajans. And they could not even survive there. So a Louis Vuitton store could never even hope to open in Trinidad and Tobago. Yet the price is ostentatious, but there are elements of value to people who do purchase those items. And as I said, they're intangible. They're things that you can't touch. So it's things like status, they're things like, as you said, having something that other people don't have, but also the understanding of the quality and the understanding, like not the average person will look at a very high price bag and say, this is what Trinidadians see. But I could buy that on Charlotte Street, I don't understand. <laughs> but the person who has purchased it is like, no, you can't. Look at this lining. Look at this stitching. Look at this. Look at that or whatever. And the other person is like, look, the same to me. So because we haven't reached a level where we can make those distinct, the average consumer can make those distinctions yet. That's why I say there's no luck, there's no market for luxury in Trinidad. However, there is market for education. So you can figure out, that's why I say you have to figure out how to put those elements into your brand and into your work that allow people to tell that there's a difference here between um, your products and the other products. And I think that's where Immortel is. People can kind of say, we see how this is different, but we also appreciate that the price isn't crazy. Another question I get all the time too is that people ask me what the currency on my website is because they can't figure it out. It's not US? It is US. But they somehow the US price makes no sense to them and the Trinidad price obviously makes no sense to them. So like, for example, if they see something for $10 on the website, they think the product is going to be more more expensive than 10 US. But then they're like, but it can't be 10 TT. What is it? What is it? They get very confused. And so I get a question a lot. What is the price? And it says it at the bottom of the page, but you know, people <laughs> don't look at the bottom of the page. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, I mean, that, that's interesting, right? But so they're, like, but they're like 10 US old, like old yeah. for this thing. That's my like, question. Yeah. <laughs> why, why is it only 10 US? Because I've designed it to be 10 US. Ah. Because to me, that is a price that people are willing to pay. And then I have figured out how to make 10 US into the most elegant, sophisticated 10 US that I can. So that you feel like you can, you've gotten value within that, so that is, little bit of money that you spend. That's essentially best $9.99 that a woman could spend. Yes. Lovely. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's aspirational, yes. Exactly. And then, you know, and they always say, always say cosmetics are recession-proof. So within hard times as we are currently going through, you can't, maybe you can't go to the pedicurist to get a pedicure, but you can buy something. You can buy a foot cream to make yourself feel as if you went to the pedicurist for that same 10 US, you know? That's funny when you say hard times. I feel like this is the longest quote-unquote recession ever since 2008. People say, yeah, we're in a recession, we're in a recession. We're in 2018 right now. They <laughs> were still in a recession. Well, I, I was in the States in 2008, <laughs> living in the States, and I'm just like, okay, I'm over recessions now. <laughs> I was in the States in 2008 for the Great Recession, and now I'm here, and I'm like, can can we just not have, can I, can I benefit from those in-between times, maybe? <laughs> Where everything is supposed to be all good and people are spending money. Cause, Peaks as well as economies. Yeah, because I feel like all I've been doing is recession. <laughs> so where can our listeners find you? Where can you find your products? So first and foremost, www.immortalbeauty.com. There's a website, people. There's a website. But you can, yes, you can also message me on Facebook, on Immortal Beauty's Facebook page, or you can message me on Instagram. And You're sure you want to message you on Facebook? Immortal Beauties and Facebook page. And also on Instagram, and I take orders there as well. Also, the retailers. Right now, we're pretty much mostly in... We have a couple of places in South. We have the Beauty Bag, which is in Vistabella. We have the Business Beauty Boutique, who actually also is... A, and also the owner of the Business Boutique is also in the Squishabank Vision Achiever Program. 
Okay. So she is in Cross Crossings in San Fernando. And then we have Stetchers in Trinity Mall and Long Circular Mall. We have the Shop at the Normandy. We have some small, tiny items in Superfarm still. They have very, very small travel items. And Val Rosa. Val Rosa. Which is in Port of Spain. I think I just had one, a couple more questions. So coming up, looking at, at you as like, clearly you have a vision. You have an, an understanding of what you want your brand to be, how you want your, your business to grow. Do you feel like any of the challenges that you faced, all the ones that you've outlined so far, come specifically from being a woman in business? Or is it the challenges of being a small business owner in general within Trinidad? And do you think that operating within this context is more challenging or less challenging than operating somewhere else and why? I feel like most of the challenges I face are because of I'm a small business owner in Trinidad. I feel like I get less of the quote-unquote woman pushback, woman challenges because of the area I operate within. Like, a woman is going to run a business. It should be a beauty business or a makeup business. And so I don't get a lot of, well, you're a woman or whatever. So not necessarily because that doesn't exist, but because I run the type of business that people expect that a woman shouldn't be running. I feel like if it was a construction business, I would have a whole other different story to tell because I'm very aware that that is a real thing. But because, you know, I'm making what people think is makeup. <laughs> Sometimes I have some pushback from specific suppliers and I have to put them in a place. But that would be both woman and the small business. At the end of the day, most of the pushback I get is because I feel like people think I'm small and so then I'm insignificant. And then I let them know that I'm not. Right. <laughs> right. Great. I think we're ready to wrap up. Okay. Catherine, thanks yes. a lot for no coming to the Cabin Studios this Sunday afternoon. Kieran, thanks for coming. Sarah, thanks again. Podcast World, this is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. Log on to www.caribbeanpowerlunch.com to listen to the latest episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Caribbean Power Lunch. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud at Caribbean Power Lunch. We are out. Bye.